Last Sunday afternoon, we held a special business meeting to vote on a new pastoral staff position. Uh, That proposal did not pass, and I want to share three lessons from this. Lesson number one, we have been praying for God to make his will clear regarding this decision. And this happened through the vote of God's people. Christ is head of this church, and he is sovereign over every decision. We want what he wants and only what he wants. So we started the meeting by focusing on Ephesians 3.21, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Yes. Lesson number two, it's not lost on me that I preached on God's pruning process three times this past weekend. And so I willingly submit to whatever God wants to use to get me to bear more fruit and for our church to bear much fruit. John 15, 2 says, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Why? That it may bear more fruit. And so I'm striving to apply what I preached. This is what I said last weekend. If we faithfully follow Jesus, he will make us fruitful. Pruning must take place in order for grapes to grow. You and I have been reborn in order to reproduce. But the only way for that to happen is through a painful purifying and purging process because pruning yields a bigger and better crop. Lesson three, it's time for us to move forward in faith together. No matter how you voted or how you feel about the decision, we are one body made up of different parts. Romans 12, 4 and 5, for as in one body we have many members, the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Are you aware that the Bible has this phrase, one another, 59 different times? Showing how God expects us to behave toward other believers. In fact, it's impossible to live this out unless we're in community with other Christians. Let me say it this way. In a culture filled with vitriol and anger, Christ followers are to live and love like Jesus. So today we're beginning a brand new series. We're calling it simply One Another. Here's where we're headed for the next five weeks leading right up to Easter weekend. This morning, our topic is care for one another. Then be united with one another, accept one another, carry each other's burdens, and finally bear with one another. Interestingly, in the book of Romans, 1 Corinthians, Ephesians, and Colossians, Paul makes over 30 references to the local church functioning like a human body. And just as our complex and intricate bodies need care and attention, so too the church can only be healthy and can only experience growth as we keep everything in balance and properly exercised. See, church ministry is always multi-dimensional, and so we must strive to keep our four focus areas in equilibrium as we strive to make disciples 
who make disciples. And we do that by gathering, by growing, by giving, and by going with the gospel all for the glory of God. In other words, our message must remain biblical. Our mission must reflect balance, and our ministry must rely on the body. Now, in honor of God's word, would you stand? And we're going to read a section from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'm going to invite you to read it with me, beginning in verse 14. Let's just take a pause and, and realize and remember what we're doing here. This is God's living and active word, inspired, inerrant, authoritative. This is what God has for us today, so let's read it. Let's allow it to go in through our ears, to filter down inside into our heart area, and most importantly there, our will, that we might engage with the Holy Spirit as he prompts us to apply what we're going to learn together today. Let's read together. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? The whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, so that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. You can have a seat. So God, now help us to understand, to interpret correctly, and then to apply that we would fight the temptation to hear your word only. We don't want to stop there. We certainly want to hear it. Lord, we want to be people who do it. And so, Holy Spirit, have your way with each of us now. Any sin that um, we've left unconfessed, Lord, would you prompt us to confess that, that we might be clear and clean vessels before you. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Here's where we're headed today. God has placed you to live out your purpose in this place all for his pleasure. And when you came in, you were handed a puzzle piece to serve as a reminder that you are a valuable part of God's picture for this church. We're in this together. Do you know every snapshot of the church in the New Testament is a group picture? Well, some background. The Apostle Paul was in Corinth for 18 months, evangelizing, discipling, equipping, training, rebuking, and he spent 
a year and a half there. And he worked through many of the problems that were plaguing this new church. After he left, some more problems came up, and Paul heard about it, so he wrote two letters to them. This is the first letter, the letter called First Corinthians. And it's in this setting... And in this section where he's talking about spiritual gifts, chapters 12, 13, and 14, that he addresses their primary problem, and that's pride. And his main point is this. Everyone is like a piece of the puzzle. We're linked together because we're to do life together. We're to care for one another. So let's draw some principles right from this passage. Principle number one, each piece is distinct and yet united with the whole. Though we are one, we're also unique. Look at verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. The word many carries the idea of abundance or much. New American Standard puts it like this, for the body is not one part, but many. New Living Translation, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. So we could say it like this, unity is good and diversity is good. If unity is emphasized at the expense of diversity, we have uniformity. That is not good. If diversity is emphasized at the expense of unity, we have anarchy. That is not good either. We need to celebrate unity without demanding uniformity. Unity and diversity. Diversity in unity. On the first day of school, a first grader went to her newly integrated school. This was at the height of the segregation storm. And when she came home, her mother anxiously wondered how the day was for her little girl. And so she asked her how everything went. The little girl said, oh, mommy, do you know what happened? A little black girl sat next to me. Well, the mother, fearing her daughter was traumatized by this experience, asked her how she got through the day. The daughter smiled and simply responded, we were both so scared that we held hands all day long. Isn't it wonderful how young children are able to see past the categories that we put up? How they're able to see past how we are different and they allow the ways that we are the same to draw us together? Friends, write this down. God dreams of a church where black and white, Hispanic and Asian, rich and poor, farmer and business person, couple and single, married and divorced, widow and widower, cop and convict, student and senior citizen, reformed prostitute, rambunctious preteen, former addict, faithful member, lifelong saint, and new believer can all join hands and celebrate our design diversity within on fettered unity. Ephesians 4.25 says, for we are members of one another. So just as our human bodies are one unit made up of many individual parts, so too the body of Christ is one entity with a plethora of different pieces. So God has placed you to live out your purpose in this place all for his pleasure. 
Principle number two, each piece is indispensable. No one is inferior. So this section, Paul's addressing those of us who think, man, I'm not as good as someone else, or maybe you're even thinking something like this, God's not given me any kind of gifts. I don't have any kind of abilities. So you just, you're kind of stuck because you feel inferior. Verse 15, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Every part of the human body is designed to work in sync with every other part of the body. A foot may feel less important than a hand, the ear may feel mediocre compared to an eye. But Paul's establishing the truth that everyone is valuable and everyone is necessary. That phrase, not make it any less a part of the body, would you observe, is used twice. Why? To emphasize that no one should have a sense of inferiority or feel like they don't matter. I like how one pastor captures this. The foot is jealous of the hand because he's covetous of the hand's prominence. The hand is in the public. It's in the limelight, but the foot is in confinement inside a shoe. (laughs) Yet the body would be in bad shape without a foot. Did you know that we use more than 200 different muscles to walk? Well, similarly, the ear feels inferior to the eye. The eye is out front, whereas the ear is on the side. No one ever talks about the ears. I mean, lovers look into each other's eyes. They don't look into each other's ears. (laughs) Well, in order to make his point... Paul pictures an absurd scenario. Check out verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? I mean, it'd be pretty gross if I'm looking out and I look at you and you're just this big eyeball sitting in this chair. So I'm looking out, I see a bunch of eyes staring back at me. I mean, you could see everything, but you'd see, but you'd hear nothing. Plus, you'd get stuff in your eye all the time as you rolled around the house. It would be equally eerie if each of us were ears. Did you see what I did? So, (laughs) it didn't work the other two services, but I I thought I'd try it again. You guys get more sleep than the 9 o'clock service, so... So the smaller pieces in God's puzzle called the church are just as important as the more visible ones. No one is inferior. Everyone is indispensable. This church will not function as God intends if you and I don't fulfill our individual roles because God has placed you to live out your purpose in this place for his pleasure. Principle number three, each piece is divinely designed and perfectly placed in the body. Now, when we fully grasp this truth, we'll experience freedom and joy like we never have had before. God made you just the way he wanted you. You've been designed to reflect his purposes. You've been shaped for spiritual significance. Now, this isn't the case for all puzzle factories, but I'm told the high-end, high-quality puzzle factories, when they punch out puzzle pieces, no piece is exactly the same as any other. Your 
peace has a place in the puzzle called the church. Observe verse 18, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. The word arranged means to set, to be perfectly placed. The same word is used in John 15, 16. We referenced it last weekend. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. (laughs) You're not an accident. You're not a mistake. You are part of God's sovereign placement in the body of Christ. Verse 18 says, each one of them. So no matter how you feel, you are not exempt from God's exhilarating exhibition of his glory in the church. You're not DQ'd because of something you've done. Or how inadequate you may feel. Because you've been designed on purpose, you have a purpose. And that purpose is to find your place, which is shaped exactly like your piece of the puzzle. And once you discover your place, it's time to plug in to the greatest adventure ever. God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them. As he chose. That phrase means to delight in. Do you know God delights in you? Some of you are like, no, he doesn't. Yes, he does. It gives God great pleasure to purposely give you purpose. You might need to reflect on a verse to really get this to settle in. Zephaniah 3.17. This is written to Israel. We're involved in idol worship. It turned their backs on God. Listen to what God says. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you. You ever feel anxious, worked up? He will quiet you with what? His, with his love. The verse doesn't end there. He will exalt over you with what? Loud singing. So when God thinks about you, he breaks out into song. Do you believe that? Some of you have a real hard time capturing that. But that's how God thinks about you. When he thinks of you, he breaks out into song. So God has placed you in his church for his delight. It's all about him. It's not about us. And for his pleasure. Psalm 135, 6. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does and he doesn't make mistakes that means when we question the size or shape or color of our piece of the puzzle uh, we're really questioning God when we refuse to interlock our peace with others we disengage while we're really disobeying God when we make a commitment to connect with Christ and with his people he is pleased beyond measure number four 
No one is superior, but everyone is essential. So now we go on the other side. So he addresses those who feel inferior. Well, now he's got a word to those who feel superior. Verses 19 to 21, if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. So listen, we're not to demean our gifts, nor are we to despise the gifts that other people have. The human body is an incredible masterpiece, and it's amazing what a body can do when all the parts are working together as they should. Now, as you look at your portion of the puzzle, you compare it with those around you, well, you'll quickly discover that your piece looks different than other people's. The shape of your piece and the location of where it fits in God's picture of the church is distinct from everyone else. There's never been anyone like you. And there'll never be anyone like you again. And that's a good thing for some of us. You know, that's one of the reasons I'm against cloning. I wouldn't want another me walking around. <laughs> a sea captain and his chief engineer were constantly arguing about who had the most important job. And they didn't get along. They were always going at it. And because they couldn't agree, they decided to swap places. So the chief engineer went up to the bridge and the captain went into the engine room. A couple hours later, the captain ran up to the deck of the ship covered with oil and soot. He wildly waved a wrench in his hand and he yelled these words, Chief, you'll have to come down to the engine room. I can't make her go. To which the chief replied, of course you can't. I've run her aground. <laughs> so your contribution to the kingdom is unique. Your role is essential. Having said that, we must guard against thinking that we're more special than those around us. Instead of believing our peace is prominent and everyone else's is a poor imitation, we need to get this straight. Everyone is shaped differently. But differently doesn't mean deformed because we all need each other. God has designed us to be mutually dependent upon each other. Now, the church at Corinth had many issues, pride being right at the top. Verses 22 to 24, Paul reminds them every part of the body is important. On the contrary, he writes, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are actually indispensable. Even those parts of our own bodies which are unpresentable are important. What does that refer to? Well, it refers to the body parts we keep covered for the reasons of modesty, which shows how important they are. So in a similar way, the pieces of the puzzle that are never seen, and I wonder, what are those? What are pieces of the body we don't see? Well, I, I thought of two areas, like prayer. Like, I don't see the impact your prayers are having, and my guess is you don't see mine, but boy, our prayer's important. Or generosity. We don't see what others give, but God uses generosity as an important, important contribution to the body. Listen, you will never care for Christians or non-Christians, for that matter, if you believe that you're somehow more special, more important, or better than they are. God has placed you to live out your purpose in this place for his pleasure. Number five, each piece is interconnected, not independent. Look at the last part of verse 24. We see the principle of interconnectedness. Your puzzle piece is designed to lock together 
with those around you in order to form what God has designed for the church. It's God's desire for each member to intermingle and interlock. Verse 24, but God has so composed the body giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. The word composed in the King James reads, half tempered together. It means mixing, commingling, coalescing of two elements so that they become one compound. Well, we see that in Genesis 2.24, where God says the two shall become one flesh. I heard about a poor family that couldn't afford a Christmas tree, so they waited until late on Christmas Eve. They were at a tree lot. They found a tree that looked okay on one side but was really bare on the other. Then they picked up another one that was full in the front and scraggly in the back. They nervously offered $3 to the salesman, hoping he would take the money, and he accepted because nobody else wanted the trees. Well, later that night, the salesman was walking down the street. He saw a beautiful tree in the couple's apartment. It was thick. It was well-rounded. So he knocked on their door, asked them how they got such a beautiful tree, and the husband showed how they had worked the the trees close together where the branches were thin. They tied their trunks together. The branches overlap, and they formed a tree so thick you could no longer see that there were two brothers and sisters. When you and I are put together just right, a stunning makeover takes place. God loves to take us with our weaknesses and tie us together with other scraggly people in order to make the beautiful body of Christ. Hey, for better or for worse... We're stuck with each other. (laughs) Why? Because we're stuck to each other. This welding together of lives within the body of Christ provides a couple challenges. Challenge number one, let's make sure we're promoting unity. Look at the front half of verse 25, that there may be no division in the body. The phrase no division means no dissension, no faction, no schism, no tear. Second challenge, practice mutual care. That's the back half of verse 25. But that the members may have the same care for one another. That phrase, same care, means to be anxious about, not filled with anxiety, but to be so concerned about other people, you do what you can to help alleviate that need. All of that is described and lived out in Acts chapter 4. Verse 32, and then verses 34 to 35. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. Look at the result. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold, laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to any as they had need. Verse 26 fleshes this out for us. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member's honored, all rejoice together. So if one member's hurting, others should rally around to help. And that's what you do. I see it all the time. Verse 27 provides a great summary statement. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. This isn't an optional add-on or something that might happen later. If you're saved, you are the body of Christ right now. We do life together because we belong to each other. The word member means a portion 
or a piece. You are a piece of the puzzle God is putting together at Edgewood. Now, how many of you are dissectologists? No one? Well, let me try a different question. How many of you enjoy putting together jigsaw puzzles? Well, you're a dissectologist. I had to Google that too. (laughs) So apparently COVID has caused a huge resurgence in puzzling this past year. There's even a new category of people. Didn't know that. Here's what you're called. Pandemic puzzlers. (laughs) The largest puzzle manufacturer is now making two to three times more puzzles than ever before. And so I thought it'd be helpful to hear from some dissectologist. So Wednesday morning, I made a post on Facebook. It was a simple post with a simple question. If you like putting jigsaw puzzles together, could you share your tips and tricks? I wasn't prepared for the response. It blew up. Within 24 hours, 116 comments. Well, I'm going to share some of that insight, but... I'm also going to make some spiritual application to our lives. It'll be brief. And I want you to look again at your puzzle piece and think about how that piece illustrates what we've learned together today. God has placed you to live out your purpose in this place for his pleasure. Number one, study the picture on the box to see what you're creating. So you and I must keep God's purposes for the church in the front of our minds. Become familiar with what God is calling us to be. And then consult that often during the process. Number two, seems simple, but has to be done. Dump the pieces out of the box. So you and I will never become what God wants us to be if we keep everything packaged up with nice shiny cellophane on the front. We just keep it on the shelf. The same with salt, right? If salt stays in the salt shaker in our cupboard, it can't help take uh, slow down decay. Same with light. If you keep light, hide it under a bushel. It's not around darkness. It doesn't do its work. Number three, things look chaotic and messy at the beginning. One person said this, the best thing is to keep it in the box because it's a chaotic mess. They don't even want to look at it. Another person said, my trick is to not do puzzles. They're too confusing. Hey, listen, following Jesus is messy especially at the beginning. Uh, It's messy the whole time, isn't it? But it can feel chaotic and confusing. Number four, turn all the pieces right side up. (laughs) Uh, We're not much good if we're upside down. (laughs) But you know, odd-shaped pieces are actually easier to work with, so be encouraged if you're an odd-shaped piece. (laughs) Number six, separate into colors. Uh, That's not good advice. That's why I put a line through that one. It might be a good, good piece of advice for you pandemic puzzlers, but it's not good advice for the church. In fact, we do way too much of that, don't we? We like to be around people who look like us, who talk like us, who believe the same way we do. Number seven, find the four corner pieces. When someone came in last night, they asked for a corner piece. There's 2,000 pieces in this puzzle. 
But I'm told that's really helpful to find what is foundational and build off of it. Related to that, number eight, work on the outside border first. Here's the application to that. We must always start with the Word of God and don't live outside the boundaries. If you do, what happens? Well, number one, it's sin. Number two, you're going to blow up your life. So stay within the boundaries of God's word. Things work best when we stay within God's parameters. Number nine, find the central subject and work to complete that. Puzzlers say pick a prominent part of the puzzle and collect pieces that look alike. Application. Keep Christ at the center of everything you do. Number 10. Put together small portions to form mini puzzles. Now, it's good to get in a discipling relationship or to join a growth group to live out God's word in community. Might be a men's Bible study Tuesday morning, women's Bible study Wednesday morning. So that's 10. Well, I have 10 more, so let's keep going. Number 11, find a friend to help. Two are better than one. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. Number 12, This is helpful. Don't force a piece to fit if it doesn't. (laughs) If you do, you'll bend the corners and another piece will be prevented from taking its rightful place. Pieces fit where they belong. It's always better to find a ministry fit that's right for you. Number 13, change your angle to get a new perspective. Sometimes it's standing back and look at what you're creating. Go back to the scriptures. God, what do you say about this? Consult a godly brother or sister for their counsel. Number 14, find a puzzle you can complete. (laughs) It's important to start small (laughs) and build up. One grandpa wrote this, if the 1,000-piece puzzle becomes too hard and frustrating, I quickly put it away and scale down to the grandkids' large 20-piece puzzle. (laughs) Number 15, work on one piece at a time. That's good advice. Do the next thing in front of you. God, what do you want me to do next? God, how can I obey you now? So one person said, putting a puzzle together is like life some days. You never know what piece to pick. Number 16, never give up. We're called to persevere even when we encounter problems. One Edgewood member speaks for many of us. I start with a few pieces. If it doesn't work, (laughs) I throw it on the floor, stomp on it, and then burn it. I don't like puzzles. Patience is a virtue that needs some work. (laughs) Number 17, concentrate and focus. It's hard to grow unless we're focused. One One mom wrote this. Get distracted with life and kids. Dogs knock pieces on floor or chew on them, therefore losing pieces before life allows you to come back to the puzzle for days at a time. Scoop all remaining pieces up, throw them in the trash with the box, vow to never do puzzles again. (laughs) Number 18. Oh, this is really helpful. Make sure you have all the pieces. Every piece is important, and every person has a place here. One wise shopper said, never buy puzzles from Goodwill or Salvation Army. There's always a piece or two missing. (laughs) I think my favorite response in all of these is from one husband who wrote this, puzzles are easy. Grab a piece off the table. Place piece in pocket. 
come back when the time is right and place the majestic last piece in. <laughs> Number 19, make the most of the process and enjoy it. Or to find joy in our journey with Jesus. No matter how chaotic, no matter how messy, no matter how upside down it seems at times. And number 20, keep referring back to the picture on the box. Keep your eyes focused on what God is building because it will give you direction. Well, let's consider now how we can put this message into practice. Number one, take the next step in connecting to this body. If this is your first time here or you've been visiting for several weeks, we're so glad God brought you here. That's not by accident. May I encourage you to keep coming if this is the place where you sense God leading you to contribute your piece of the puzzle. Or God may have another place for you, but find that and plug in. And I urge you to join with a group of people who can help you when you're down and whom you can help when they're down. Perhaps you're ready to become members. A couple got, became members just last service. The key, whatever it is, take your next step. Number two, figure out how you fit and then plug into God's puzzle. God wants us to be involved according to our giftedness. There's a ministry here that's a perfect match for who he's made you to be. It was Teddy Roosevelt who is known to have said this phrase, do what you can with what you have where you are. Number three, ask God to give you a practical way to come alongside someone this week. Do you, you do know, don't you, that there are needs all around us? There's a lot of hurt right now. There's a lot of pain. There's people who aren't comfortable going out yet. There's people who are dealing with loneliness Stress levels are high. People have relapsed. There's a lot of hurt and pain. As God brings someone to your mind, pray for them. Send them a note. Give them a phone call. Reach out in some way to help them. Provide financial assistance. Remember, we're called to care for people, not cure them. That's God's job. Number four, be vulnerable and ask for help when you need it. So when you and I are authentic, others will feel more comfortable opening up. And number five, invite others to discover their place at Edgewood. So I don't know how many will gather with us this weekend. Let, let's say maybe 500 when, when after all three services. But this puzzle has 2,000 pieces. I, I wonder if you could take your puzzle piece home and put it somewhere where you can see it and use it as a reminder that there are people who aren't connected. Determined to reach out to your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors, your relatives as we live on mission wherever God has put us in our neighborhoods, in our workplace, on our campuses. <laughs> I've always liked the church sign that says this, what's missing from CHCH? You are. <laughs> Several centuries ago in a mountain village in Europe, a wealthy man wanted to leave a legacy, so he decided to build this beautiful church building for the town. When it was finished, everyone marveled at its beauty, its completeness. This guy thought of everything until someone asked a question. They said, well, where are the lamps? How will it be bright enough in here to have services? Well, the nobleman pointed to some brackets up on the walls, and then he gave each family a lamp, and he said these words, each time you are here, the area where you are seated will be well lit. Each time you're not here, that area will be dark. 
And that's to remind you that whenever you fail to come to church, some part of God's house will be dark. God has placed you as a strategic piece in his kingdom work. You are an important part of the mission and ministry of Edgewood. God has placed you to live out your purpose in this place all for his pleasure. I close with these words from Annie Flint. Christ has no hands but our hands to do his work today. He has no feet but our feet to lead men in his way. He has no tongues but our tongues to tell men how he died. He has no help but our help to bring them to his side. What if our hands are busy with work other than his? What if our feet are walking where sin's allurement is? What if our tongues are speaking of things his lips would spurn? How can we hope to help him and hasten his return? God, we know uh, that if we just leave here, you've gathered us as we scatter. If we just try harder to live this out, uh, we'll, we'll fall on our face. Lord, we don't need to try harder. Jesus, you've accomplished everything through the gospel. You've paid the price. You've completed the work. And so we know that we can't do it in our own strength. But we can be obedient. And Holy Spirit, now would you energize us and mobilize us? You're the one who gives spiritual gifts anyway. So use us collectively. Use us individually here in this community and what you're doing around the globe. Lord, I think of some friends who are here today who are involved in a church plant in West Des Moines. Lord, I pray you'd bless that ministry and Bless the church plant in Rock Island and the new one in Moline and and what you're doing all for your glory and your honor. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.